Sales win rates have plummeted to a mere 17%, and outdated technology and tedious manual processes are to blame. Meanwhile, managers lack the visibility they need to hold their teams accountable. But imagine a world in which these crippling issues are solved automatically. Revenue.io automates the most frustrating parts of sales so reps can focus on what they do best, selling. Completely automate pre-call research, logging conversation data in your CRM, writing post-conversation recap emails, and prioritized outreach. And as reps book more meetings and close more deals, managers gain the real-time insight they need to scale what's working across their entire team. Ready to say goodbye to tedious sales processes and watch your win rate soar? Head over to Revenue.io to learn more. It's time to accelerate. Hi, I'm your host, Andy Paul. Join me as I host conversations with the leading experts in sales, marketing, sales automation, sales process, leadership, management, training, coaching, any resource that I believe to help you accelerate the growth of your sales, your business, and most importantly, you. Hello and welcome to the show. I am amped up, to say the least, to talk with my guest today. Joining me is Barbara Weaver-Smith, co-author of Whale Hunting, How to Land Big Sales and Transform Your Company. She is also the founder and CEO of The Whale Hunters, a consulting firm based in Chandler, Arizona. And we're going to talk about one of my favorite topics, how to accelerate the growth of your business with big deals. Because you know, unless you're in some hot tech sector, there's presumption among many entrepreneurs and managers of smaller and mid-sized businesses that their growth has to come in small increments. And I really think this is sort of a failure of imagination. Because since they're a small business, they have to think small. And thinking small, as we all know, leads to acting small. So and that, if you act small, dooms you to slow growth. So it doesn't have to be that way. Big deals can truly transform a small enterprise, and Barbara's going to help us sort out how it's all done. Barbara, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Andy. I'm glad to be on with you. So maybe just take a minute to fill out uh, my introduction a little bit in terms of what you do. Sure. Well, we're a consulting company and a training company, and we work with um, small and mid-sized companies, mostly in the, I would say, the $25 to $100 million range is where we really play. And we work with those companies to implement what we call the whale hunters process, which is a complete process of scouting, hunting, and harvesting large deals. Uh, we try to define that as a deal that's 10 to 20 times the size of your current average deal. And the goal is not to just get a whale, but to learn how to hunt whales as a company team, as a kind of a regular way of doing business, fishing along the way so your regular business doesn't go away, but it tends to grow over time. So that's, that's what we do. Uh, we do that in a lot of ways, on-site consulting, uh, training on-site and online. Okay. Now uh, we go all over. Excellent, excellent. I mean, this is, that's, I'm very excited about this because from my own personal experience, before I started my consulting company, I worked for a number of tech startups. We we're small companies selling large ticket items. And this, exactly. is how, this is how we grew our business, is mm -hmm. going out and competing against the big brand names and beating them at their own game. And so, for people who haven't read the book, The Whale Hunter, 
a whale you described, sort of 10 to 20 times the size of their average deal that they do there. Exactly. Well, there's a curious backstory to the book. So tell people the inspiration for, because you're not just using the whale sort of figuratively in some senses, right? You're actually talking about literally whale hunting as the inspiration for the book. It's really, the book is derived from our study of the Inuit people and how they hunted whales centuries ago off the northwest coast of Alaska. And it was very collaborative activity. So if you think about uh, eight people going out in a little boat made of seal skin, going after a 100,000-pound creature, you know, that's how people feel. That's how teams feel when they go out after much bigger customer, but there's a reality behind it. There are ways to do it safely. And the metaphor is a lot of fun. It's also very useful. We call it ancient wisdom for modern business. So let's start at the beginning. You know, you're a small, mid-sized company. You've always just been sort of doing your regular business. And now Mm -hmm. you're being told, hey, we need to go get bigger orders because that's going to stimulate and accelerate your growth. What's what's the first step? I mean, how do they how do they start this process? The first step is to um, we call it a target filter. That is, define what would be an ideal whale for you. Uh, what would be the characteristics of a customer that could give you a deal that's twenty times bigger than your current deal? Uh, we start with criteria like. Uh, geography, um, revenue, number of employees, depending on the industry. We work with all B2B industries. Mm -hmm. And when you have that image of what would be ideal, then we help them do a data search to find a list of companies that seem to meet those criteria. And we do further research and whittle down that list. So it starts with having what we call a whale chart. These are the five or 10 or 20 companies that we're going to pay attention to because they're the most likely big customers for us. Yeah, in some cases now, also, I would think, at least based on my own experience, is it requires, again, a little creativity on the part of the business that you're, you're working with or the business that's thinking about going out and starting to hunt whales is because you know, it may not be the exact offering that they're offering today. Exactly. I mean, yes. they have to think outside the box a little bit in terms of what they have that could be of value to someone Sure. that is bigger, that could be sold in either bigger increments or a partnership that leads to you know bigger sale or however that whale is identified. Absolutely. And if you think, for example, of um, many of my customers do business, say, with the top 20 pharmas. And they might be working with a subsidiary or a branch or local uh, part of that big corporation. And we're working with them on how to think of that as a worldwide opportunity, not just a local opportunity. Yeah. And the thing is that, as you talked about sort of the beginning of the show, is that part and parcel of having a whale hunting strategy, going after the big deals is that it's going to bring the rest of your business along, right? Okay. So you have to be prepared to say, okay, there's going to be impact. If we're successful hunting a whale, it's going to scale the rest of our business too. Absolutely, it does. And so that's why we work with the whole leadership team. It's not just a sales strategy. It's a complete business development strategy because you have to have operations ready. And if you have multiple 
<clears throat> harpooners or salespeople going out after bigger deals, you can probably only handle one at a time at the beginning rather than two. So you have to have a really good management handle on how this is going to work so that you're ready. Uh, it's not good to land a whale if you're not ready to deal with it. You if, know? You're not, if you're not ready to skin it and harvest the blubber. Exactly, and take very good care of it. <laughs> See, exactly. the Inuit people, the best part of this story is the Inuit people believed that the whale was reborn every year. They didn't know that they migrated to Baja. And so if at the end of my story the whale is dead, that's not a very good story. But at the end of this story, the whale is reborn because they're working with you. So that's the attitude we try to inculcate with our clients. Oh, I think it's the right attitude. And it's really the key point for, for people listening to this is that part and parcel of hunting whales is the fact that you need to be able to service that account. Now, you'll read lots of cautionary tales about startup ventures and new, new, newer enterprises, smaller enterprises that have killed themselves getting the customer of their dreams. So preparation and being prepared, as you said, looking at this holistically for the whole organization is really critical because if you do a lousy job of servicing that big <coughs> whale you landed, it's not going to be reborn. You know, there's not going to be another one. Exactly. So our process includes a number of steps. Um, that need to be completed with that client before you decide to launch the boat. So part of it is what do you say no to? When do you back away? Uh, when do you decide that this might be a killer whale? Well, how do you? Just, what are some of those criteria that, that you give people that might be killer criteria? Or are they trying to be killer whales? Yeah, one, once you have an entree into the company and you've been talking to one or more people, Will they introduce you to the other people who will be influencers in this deal? Um, how are how are they treating you as you're working along? Is does it feel as if you're making progress, getting to know all the people on the whale side who are going to be involved in the decision? Because as you know, that's critical in a large deal. It's many people involved in the decision. So. Are you working with people who are willing to bring others to the table and make introductions, or are they kind of holding it tight and wanting you to do everything through this one person? Things like that are signs that it's not going to work right now. Right, and that could be for a variety of reasons, and some of which are, are exactly. not some of which are not good too, right? I mean, some right. of the ones are hey, they're using you as a stocking horse for their current exactly. vendor, and you're just being used to leverage a good price or yeah. a better deal. So you really need to be conscious, as Barbara said, about, you know, are you getting treated with the respect that's similar to the respect they would give a larger company? Absolutely. That's so true. We have an, another uh, exercise that we do with our clients. We call it whale fears and fear busters. And we work through what would, what would frighten a big company about you. I mean, you're using the example of a technology company that's typically a kind of company that we would be working with when they're young and often they if they're selling enterprise software for example they need big deals almost right from the start and the kind of customer you choose to go with next has sometimes a lot to do with how your products and services evolve it makes a difference for example if you do your enterprise software with um, 
say Papa John's as par- as compared to um, a hospital chain. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you need to make those kinds of decisions along the way as well. And you need to be working on, they're afraid of you because you're new. They're afraid of you because you're small. Uh, they're afraid of you because they never heard of the town you're located in. You're in Chandler, Arizona. <laughs> they never heard of that. And uh, there's all kinds of things about being small that frighten you. There are also things about being small and aggressively growing that are very attractive to big companies. They can have a lot more leverage with you. You're typically more agile, more innovative. They can get things fast that they can't get from your big competitors. But you have to figure out how to make them not afraid. And so we bring things to the table deliberately up front to try to alleviate their fears. And if we can't, then that's another way we know not to go further because it's very expensive. Right. I mean, you're going to find out. I mean, really one of the, to me, most essential elements for this type of strategy, at least, again, based on my experiences, I, mm-hmm. the products I was selling at that time, these were large infrastructure communication products sold for multi-million dollars. We were a small company. No one knew who we were. In fact, in some cases, we were selling what we could do, not what we had done, right? Oh, yes. (laughs) And so oftentimes it was that way. And yet we won a lot of business against Mm -hmm. big multi-billion dollar multinational companies. And the keys really turned out to be trust and credibility. Right? Absolutely. And small companies, if you approach it right, you can do that. If you have the knowledge and you have to think about, you know, what are those specific areas of expertise that you have that you could be an industry leader in? Just because you're a small company doesn't mean you don't have a better idea and a better way to approach it. Oh, absolutely. And so it's, it's being able to demonstrate the depth of that credibility that then starts in the responsiveness of the customer's needs and really playing into some of what we hear with uh, books like the challenger sale, which is, you know, as a small company, when you come in, oftentimes we found the best strategy was not to sell them what they said they needed. Oh, exactly. Yes. Mm -hmm. But to say, Hey, well, okay, that's great, but there's a much better way to do this. Right. What if, right. What if, so another thing that I, I'm sure this is what you found when you were uh, working with a tech startup is that you need to have your operations people, your customer service people, your development people involved in that sale, especially if you're selling something that you can do but you haven't done it yet, it's not quite ready, or it's, it can be done in variety <laughs> or, yeah, or It didn't exist. <laughs> right. And I have worked with a number of software companies in that exact situation. And I've also seen cases where they've sold stuff, not only that they didn't have yet, but nobody on the other side really knew what they were selling. And it was disastrous. Yeah. That's why I say it has to be management-driven. You have to have your whole team engaged or your ops people cannot deliver what you've promised. Exactly. And invariably with what I call the whales that you talked about. Mm-hmm. You know, my name was, these are the customers you love to hate because yeah. they are going to challenge you yes. in a way that you've never been challenged. Mm-hmm. And if you are open to that, 
if you're not defensive, so, so many companies are, right? You get in trouble, first thing they do is they put the barriers up and get really defensive. Right. But if you say, look, I'm going to learn from this customer, even though they're pushing the heck out of me, I'm going to learn how to become a better company because of what they're going to teach me. Oh, you come out the other end so much smarter and so much better prepared to take on that next whale. That is absolutely true. It elevates your whole team. Uh, because a new company is really short on processes. You're usually big on how-to and inspiration and hard work and teamwork. All those things are great. But you're very short on written-down processes or standard operating procedures or all the kinds of things that big companies do routinely. So you really can learn a lot from them. It's really important. I, I, in fact, I would say, unless you're committed to learning from the customers how to be a better company, don't go after the whales because it's just going to be it's going to be fruitless for you, right? It's not going to be Absolutely. good. It's not going to be good. But if you're open, I mean, we had one one customer, one company I worked with. You know, part of the condition of the deal was they put somebody on site. Sure. And you know, first blush, your reaction is going to be, well, heck no, right? Yeah. But it turned out actually to work for everybody's advantage. Typically it does. So you have to, um, you know, you have to get to know them pretty well before you do the final deal and uh, have a mutual understanding. It's also important to, to create a very particular way that you're going to onboard a new client in anticipating that you're going to get a big client. Be ready with procedure for the sales team to hand off yeah. to the delivery team. That's your really critical point. So the, the sales team and some of your subject matter experts, you've been dealing with a few people, maybe quite a few people, and a couple of them are probably part of the end user team. But most of the end users you haven't met yet. So how are you going to approach this from a project management stance? Right. And you really need to know that up front, or that's where you get in big trouble. Excellent. Okay, we're going to take a short break. Now, before we do, I'm going to ask you a question I ask every one of my guests. So here's a hypothetical scenario for you. Think about it, and I'll take your answer after the break. Okay. You're a new sales manager hired into a company that needs to do a sales turnaround. Things aren't going well. Upper management's brought you in to make some changes. What two things would you do in the first week that could have the biggest impact? So think about that, and we'll be back right after the break with my guest, Barbara Weaver-Smith. Hi, this is Andy. Connect and Sell is used by sales reps at nearly 1,000 companies, including hundreds of technology startups and several Fortune 500 companies, to overcome the challenges of getting prospects on the phone. Companies using Connect and Sell grow their revenues faster by enabling their sales reps to have more sales conversations in 90 minutes than they could otherwise achieve in an entire week. Connect and Sell can be deployed directly to your sales reps, or you can take advantage of their outbound on-demand service, which delivers qualified prospect meetings scheduled directly on your sales reps' calendars. Visit connectandsell.com to learn more about how Connect and Sell can start filling your pipeline today. Welcome back. Joining me today is Barbara Weaver-Smith, co-author of the great book, The Whale Hunters. Um, I posed a scenario for you before the break. New sales manager has to do a sales turnaround. What would be the two things you do in the first week? that have the biggest impact? Well, first of all, I would have a one-to-one -one talk with every member of the sales team and uh, talk with them about why they're there, what they want to accomplish, um, 
what they think would be the most helpful thing for them to improve their performance. Uh, the second thing I would do is get everybody together and begin to implement a whale hunting process, teach them how that works and what everybody's role is. Whale hunting is a process that everybody can do. It's not a process for rock star salespeople. It's a process for teams to collaborate. So I would begin to lay that out and teach that in my first week. Excellent. Excellent. Good answer. So back to whale hunting, let's talk a little bit about prospecting. So how do you, in this environment, so we talk about planning, it's collaborative. How do you then, you've identified groups of, of, you know, based on certain filters, groups of companies that could be appropriate whales. How do you outreach to them if this is brand new for you? If you've only been selling smaller stuff, now you need to do something bigger. Is there anything different? Yeah, so it's very different because your typical marketing operation is to generate leads for you and try to qualify them. And uh, you've been in sales long enough to know how often there's a real disconnect between those leads that come in and what you really need or what you're really looking for next. So we talked about identifying the ideal customer and getting that list. So if somebody needs to be watching those companies behavior in the marketplace. This could be a, a sales assistant, pre-sales person, or a marketing person, and you look for signs of readiness to buy trigger events. And then we use the social media methodology of getting a warm introduction. We don't do any cold calling. It's all, uh, I believe in this day and age with social media, you can get an introduction anywhere. Mm-hmm. Not you can't always get it tomorrow, but you can get it absolutely. Absolutely. So you have a list of companies that you believe are good targets for you, and you have some reason to think now might be the time. And so you're working on four, five targets, and trying to meet multiple people in that company at the same time. You're not worrying about who's the exact perfect one. Um, you're going to try to talk to five or six people at a time and go in for a conversation. In the meantime, you want to know everything you can possibly find to know about that company, including what is their current corporate strategy, and you need to be thinking about how does your product and service have a possibility to working with them on their current strategic goals. Yeah, it's a really key point to bring up because if you're not accustomed to selling to whales, the fact is given the deal is larger and more strategic to the customer that you're selling to, you're necessarily going to be selling higher up in the organization than you're accustomed to. So, Absolutely. So, yeah, your approach in terms of your account approach, your account strategy in terms of dealing with all the influencers and selling up perhaps even up into the C-suite, depending on the size of the deal and the company you're selling to, that may be different for you. So you need to be uh, aware of how you structure that in your outreach and really making connections at those levels. Right. So I, I would say you need to approach this as a team on, on your end with some SMEs involved. Uh, you need to be extremely well prepared. You need to be ready to have a sensible, sharp-minded business discussion with the highly placed person. And that means 
you don't need to go in and say, oh, I've read your 10K, I know all about your strategy, yada, yada, yada. But you don't go in and give a product dump or talk about a demo. You talk about, for example, you know, I see that your strategy for this year includes X. And I'd love to know how that particularly influences what's on your plate for the next six months and get a conversation started about business issues. You need business acumen more than you need product knowledge for starters. Absolutely. Absolutely. And patience too, because mm -hmm. one of the things that I think that when you're advantage, when you're a small enterprise, smaller enterprise, hunting a whale is patience. Because what I've found over time is that the bigger guys if the customer sort of says, well, you know, this may take another three to six months longer than I thought it was going to to make this decision or whatever, a lot of times they lose interest because, oh, yeah, yeah, I've got quota now. I've got to hit this right. now. If you're not going to do it in the way you said, because I told my bosses we're going to be able to close it this quarter, mm -hmm. and I can't begin to say, tell you how many deals I won where I just I hung in there because I knew I had a better approach, and maybe the first time I didn't have the credibility, but as time went on, I was able to establish the credibility and the trust and won deals that the other guys had basically dismissed, and they were they were whales. Absolutely. You have to allow the time. Again, that's why it seems to me that this has to be management-driven all along. Uh, if, you're, if you're a sales VP or if you're the C-suite person, you don't want to put pressure on salespeople to close those whale deals. You have to have a different attitude about what it's going to take. It's going to take much longer than your regular sale. So you need to be still working on all the stuff that you work on, but you need to decide as a team how much time and energy and money are we carving out for whale hunts. You know, you're only doing one or two at a time, and you're absolutely right. They take twice as long as you think they will, or three times as long. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And also, I, mean, I just want to throw this point out because I, I'm interested to get your take on this. Is, is a strategy that, that I used with dealing with whales, especially in extremely competitive situations where, you know, credibility, trust, you know, the, I think the <laughs> largest deal I closed individually is like close to $40 million. And mm -hmm. we were about a $50 million company at the time. So customer was a little concerned about that. Um, absolutely. Is that in some cases when you're, when you're dealing in those situations is – You've established your credibility, trust, but there's still you know, a little bit of iffiness on the part of the customer. They're being pushed hard by your larger competitors. What I found is a strategy I call start small, which is, yeah, the customer may want 10 big systems, then they want them installed across the country all at the same time. If I know that they want what I have, but they're concerned about that last bit of implementation and so on, then I found a winning strategy is to say, okay, well, let's just start with one of those 10 systems. We'll use this as a proof of concept and we'll show how we can seamlessly integrate this with your existing systems and roll it out. And the big guys hate that because yeah. I know I'm going to get all 10 eventually, but I'll take them one at a time. Right. It's still a whale for me. And the big guys, you know, they need that quota and big gulps. And if they're not chewing off big chunks, they lose interest. Yeah. I, you're exactly right. If you're positioned where you want to be and you're selling what you want to sell, and you can sell it in, 
in steps and stages, that's ideal. Another thing that we advise people to do, like when you're a $50 million company doing a $40 million deal, bring your banker in with you. Let them know that you've got a line of credit. Let them know you can wait 120 days for payment because that's what you're going to have to do. Yeah, with bigger companies for sure. Yeah, managing They just cash. have to know that you've got cash behind you so that they don't crush you along the way. I mean, once they start paying you, you're fine. But getting through the whole process of getting that first PO paid is extremely painful. And they, they know it is, but they can't help it. So it really helps to lower their anxiety if they know you've got the cash. That's a good suggestion. And the other thing, too, it's, is also depending on the nature of the product you're selling is get creative about how you structure your payment. Because sure. oftentimes you can use the customer's cash to finance the deal as opposed exactly. to tapping your banker. And so exactly. sometimes upfront payments, milestone payments, mm -hmm. you know, rigid schedule uh, with the big down payment, that can help ease the cash squeeze mm -hmm. when you're a small enterprise hunting for whales, absolutely. That's, well, another, that's another way that you can, that you can um, work with your price without discounting. You, know, you can offer incentives for upfront payment or mm -hmm. uh, you know payment terms you can negotiate payment terms along with total price without discounting I don't like discounting but in order you know to to negotiate a good deal for you along the way that's one of the things that you can negotiate yeah I mean your point about discounting is so right on because, again, if you're a small entity, you're hunting whales, especially in your first couple, you can't give your margin away. You're going to need that to be able to make sure you deliver the deal, the, <laughs> the product the way you need it. So you have to be very disciplined in how you negotiate uh, your payments. Right. And they have people on their side whose business it is to get you to sell it for less money. And you have to be aware of that and, and be firm. Firm. Absolutely. Firm is the right word. So before we run out of time, I want to talk about the fact that you have a, a new book that's out. So tell us a little bit about that. Its title is Whale Hunting with Global Accounts, Four Critical Strategies to Win Global Customers. Exactly. So we're very excited about that. It's, a, it's kind of a follow-on to whale hunting, but it's a whole new concept. It's not, uh, it's not a revision of whale hunting. It's just taking it to a much newer and bigger level. And that is what I'm finding is a lot of my mid-sized customers are being drawn offshore by their own customers who are saying, I'm, you know, I'm going to open up shop in Canada. I'm going to go to Germany and you need to come with me. Mm -hmm. And so how do you go about as a mid-sized company, how do you go about really, really managing and getting the most out of a global account and really treating them the way they want to be treated. There's a lot of lip service to customer-centric um, organization and sales strategies and account right. management. But exactly. the different to, to just how to do it is a big story. And so what are your, what's your big recommendation? Well, the big recommendation is you need to approach it as a team and approach the um, corporation as 
an entity and understand how all its parts fit together from the beginning and uh, increase your knowledge, change your structure, uh, look at your processes for what to do in between the steps that may be a year apart, as you suggested earlier. And most of all, uh, present them with a vision of what would be worth changing for and be the one that can guide them in that vision through a long period of time until a sale closes. You have to make big decisions on whether you're going to have hunters or farmers or a new one that one of my experts suggested, which was the gamekeeper. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I have interviewed a dozen experts for this book. Uh, their, their comments are interspersed throughout. They are current global sales VPs of very large companies, uh, including a representation from uh, Gartner and Accenture, CA Technologies. Also have some very well-known sales experts like Jill Conrath and Gerhard Geschwanter. I also have some, uh, some of my clients who are mid-sized companies making that climb into uh, global accounts. So I think people will find it very exciting. It's different. It's fun. Uh, and it's a whole new way to look at whale hunting. Good. All right. So people make sure you look for that book, Whale Hunting with Global Accounts for Critical Strategies to Win Global Customers. All right, moving to the last segment of our show, I've got some rapid-fire questions for you. You can give me one-word answers, or you can expand if you wish. Ready? Yes. So what's the most powerful sales tool in your arsenal? Knowledge. Name one tool you use for sales or sales management that you can't live without. Invention. Which is? That is a, a sales tool that uh, I use to get information about companies. It's a It's a... Yeah, it used, to be, it used to be one source. It did, yes. Yeah. So Big it's, business database that's coming along beautifully. Okay, that's a good tool for people to have. Outstanding. Who's your sales role model? Oh, gee. I guess right now I'd say Jill Conrath is kind of a mentor. Good answer. She's, she's hey, I, I love what Jill does. Um, what's the one book that every salesperson should read? Oh, besides whale hunting? Besides whale hunting. How to Swim with the Sharks. Okay, Harvey McKay. Without getting eaten alive, yeah. All right, that's it. Oldie but goodie. I remember reading that book a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, favorite music to listen to to psych yourself up for an important call? You know, I just, I do that in silence. I don't play music <laughs> while I work. Okay, meditation. Great. <laughs> What's the first sales activity you do every day? Oh, I read my email first. <laughs> and I think that's fine. I know there's people say don't do that, but I, I'm with you on that one. I have to know what's going on in my world. I use Nimble as my uh, CRM. Mm -hmm. So really, that's, that's what I do first. I go to my Nimble dashboard. Right. Excellent. Yeah, just John Farrar is a guest on the show. And, exactly. Um, yeah. Okay, good, good tool. It's a great tool. So last question. What's the one question you get asked most frequently by salespeople? How do I close it? 
And the answer is? The answer is you have to know up front how you're going to close it. The, the answer is, is knowledge and trust building. I like it. Excellent. Well, Barbara, thanks for joining me today. My guest, Barbara Weaver-Smith, author of Whale Hunting, How to Land Big Sales and Transform Your Company, and as well, her new book, which you need to check out, Whale Hunting with Global Accounts, Four Critical Strategies to Win Global Customers. Barbara, tell folks how they can find out more about you. They can come to my whale, to my website, which is thewhalehunters.com. You can find me on Twitter and LinkedIn and all over the web. Excellent. Yes. Good content she puts out there. So remember, everybody, make it a part of your day every day to deliberately learn something new to help you accelerate your success. And subscribing to this podcast is an easy way to do that because then you'll make sure you don't miss any conversations like the one we had today with top sales expert Barbara Weaver-Smith. And they're going to share their experience and expertise to teach us how to accelerate the growth of our business. So thanks for joining us. And until next time, this is Andy Paul. Good selling, everyone. Thanks for listening to the show. If you like what you heard and want to make sure you don't miss any upcoming episodes, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher.com. For more information about today's guest, visit my website at andypaul.com. Hey, sales strategists. At Revenue.io, we're not just imagining the future of sales. We're building it. We offer the world's most complete platform for revenue teams, and we're featured in the most recent Forrester Waves for both sales engagement and conversation intelligence. With Revenue.io, you can slash call prep time to seconds, guide your reps in real time to have more successful conversations, and after calls, we generate ready-to-send recap emails so sellers can keep deals soaring toward the finish line at light speed. See the future of sales now at Revenue.io.